You're listening to the King's Place podcast. Presenting music, comedy, spoken word, poetry, and art from around the world. Kingsplace.co.uk Hello and welcome to the King's Place podcast. This is a new monthly podcast full of all the latest news, information and exclusive interviews highlighting the upcoming events at King's Place over the next month. So on this edition, we talk to Andrew Burke, Chief Executive of the London Symphonietta, about their experiment series of concerts, which celebrates everything from the sound of sauté to the sound of vacuum cleaners. And later in May, jazz legend Norma Winstone returns to King's Place. And on this podcast, she tells us about her musical influences, which range from Frank Sinatra to Peter Gabriel. Also in May, the venue will have a female perspective on the world of film and music as the Bird's Eye View Festival comes to King's Place for the first time. So to start this edition, we caught up with Andrew Burke in King's Place to delve deeper into the contemporary classical world that the London Sinfonietta inhabits. Yeah, the London Sinfonietta has, for the last 42 years now, been focusing on contemporary music, and it prides itself in risky, adventurous programming and really featuring composers who come from that tradition of, of contemporary classical. 20 or 30 years ago, those were composers like Ligeti and Stockhausen. Um, of course, now today, contemporary classical music or contemporary music has a far broader remit. And, in, you know, we, we have got used to collaborating with electronica artists and experimental jazz musicians and folk musicians, as well as contextualising music with collaborations with dancers and video artists. I sense that it was the first, one of the first, very first ensembles to take this music, how do I say it, seriously, you know. And it, it really, and what I mean by that was that it it dedicated real rehearsal time to the music, as much rehearsal time as orchestras were putting into their Beethoven cycles or whatever, and played this contemporary classical music as meaningfully as as the classical repertoire. So really taking care of every note, really taking care of the composer's intention, really delivering it with a confidence and a brilliance in performance. Um, and as soon as you do that, and as soon as the group did that, yeah, people took notice. And in the early days, the group, within two years of forming, was doing a world tour because nobody else was really putting that much effort and taking it that seriously. Um, to the level the Sinfonietta were doing. And it was a concept that worked too. I mean, there might have been exceptional performances around the world, but the group suddenly caught the imagination that here was a group of professional players who were prepared to do this, led by some inspirational conductors. And it ignited a spark of imagination. And as I say, the group travelled a lot. We still do. The scene today is that many of the movements that have been going for the last 30, 40, 40 years have become their own mini-traditions and have influenced a lot of people. So in this weekend, there's a certain amount of looking back, sure. We're playing music by John Cage and Morton Feldman. On the British side, you know, that, that whole inspiration from Cage and Feldman was picked up by Cornelius Cardew and he then influenced a whole school of work in this country. People like Howard Skempton and Gavin Bryars and, and we're also playing some younger composers like John Lee Lee who's still very much a, a kind of doing his thing, inspired by this world and also we're doing a collaboration on the Saturday with um, Mika Chu and the Shapes and Mika Levi who leads that group. She's, uh, 
She's a classically trained or Guildhall trained composer who is influenced by experimental techniques, which means for her, I think, sort of music and unusual rhythms and extraordinary sonorities generated with homemade instruments. And a sense that you're exploring the sound of the music and what's possible in the moment. If you talk to some of the composers who are branded as experimental, they quite often don't want that title. You know. They're just interested in music from a particular perspective and an ethos. So often the scores aren't very dense and are sometimes full of instruction to the players about how to approach the sound they're about to make, rather than following to the letter an absolutely definitive notation or you know, piece that they have to realise. And it results in some textures which are utterly beautiful wonderful to listen to, very calming sometimes, as well as very energising, um, and with a lot of space in the sound too, sometimes. And it's, it just is a different ethos, a different approach to the way to make music. There's been a bravery in the programming over the years, which I hope we're sustaining, which explores sound worlds which nobody yet knows, or nobody knows at the time, how much life there will be in them. They might be compelling and interesting and popular, if you like, at the time, uh, or just fascinating and challenging even. So the music has to be played to make some sense of it. And I think that's what the symphony is there to do. Sure, now we can look back over a period of history and see that some of those composers whose work we have championed are now have a far wider uh, um, appeal and have reached out into broader sections of contemporary culture. So it's a bit like a futures market. You, bet, you do bet a little bit on what you think will last, but also you need to celebrate composers and what they're doing now. And give us, I think it's part of the job of the group to give as many different composers the possibility to be performed brilliantly and to have their music taken absolutely seriously. I'm pleased to say our musicians, because they've played so many different styles of contemporary music, they're not phased by anything. Um, certainly their performing brilliance means that almost anything they're presented with, however dark on the page, with however many notes there are, they will, they will be able to play it and they will interpret it brilliantly. There are a few notorious pieces um, which have an element of theatre in them, so you immediately get sort of strange, the players being asked to do strange things. Uh, we just recently did a piece by uh, Richard Ayres called In the Alps, and it's a sort of story piece about unrequited love, and our trumpeter had to, we didn't have to, but he did. He dressed in lederhosen in order to kind of communicate the idea of an alpine shepherd boy. Um, and, and as part of this week, I believe you're having a Marathon Sarte event. Yeah, it's one of the pieces, and he's one of the composers who, I suppose, in the earlier 20th century was pushing the boundaries of normal composition and beginning to infuse his music with ideas, which I suppose did influence the ex what became the experimental tradition. And Vexations is a short piece of piano music. In the instruction around it, he suggests it's played 840 times. And if you work out what that means, it suggests a piece that's going to take at least about 18 hours to perform. It's an opportunity for any listener to come in and just sink themselves into this short, quite haunting, uh, floating piece of piano music. I think that if people came to the Experiment Weekend, they would get a sense of some of the key composers who who loosely fit into this tradition. Much of the music is is 
very accessible, um, very beautiful to listen to, and very thought-provoking. There'll be things that you'll come across which, especially on Saturday when there's quite a bit going on during the day. And the great thing about King's Place, which is a building where there are several spaces, the two halls, the foyers, the canal, you know, it's a place, great place to be around, where you can get that sense in a building of that sort of festival feel you get when you go to summer field events. And the whole point is to be there and just to take some risk and see what happens. This is the King's Place podcast. Andrew Burke, Chief Executive of the London Symphonietta, talking about the experiment season, which runs from the 29th of April to the 1st of May. Next, on the 20th of May, the singer Norma Winstone returns to King's Place, performing music from her Grammy-nominated Distances album. We caught up with her on the phone to learn more about her influences and why a London concert is always that little bit extra special. But my first question was to ask how her love of music began. Uh, well, my family were interested in in music and the sort of fairly popular music at the time. And I think the first thing that I was really aware of was Frank Sinatra, because they were big Sinatra fans. I heard him on the radio because we didn't have any record playing equipment at the time. So, I, yes, I think Sinatra was my first influence, and um, it was really the sound of his voice. Lately. I find myself out gazing at stars. I mean, all those things informed what I did later. You know, I later discovered uh, jazz, and I mean, instrumental jazz, and, you know, the Miles Davis kind of blue group with John Coltrane, Cannonball Adderley, Bill Evans. I really loved that music, and when I heard Miles Davis wanted somehow the voice to be involved in music in a different way, I thought there must be another way. I didn't know how it would happen, but I think eventually I did get to do it, you know, where, which is really using the voice as a sound, as well as being able to deliver a lyric which I love and, and when I do sing lyrics I suppose I still do have those great singers in my mind especially Sinatra he's always been there I think he's always informed the way I sing. So how did you start singing? Well um, I, I left school and I was I was doing a job like an office job and I really didn't I knew I wanted to sing but I had no idea how to start and I was very shy and a friend of mine said, well, maybe you should go to a singing teacher. Uh, there, there happened to be one not that far from where I lived, and um, which at the time was Dagenham, and this singing teacher was in Seven Kings in Essex. And I went along, but he wasn't a conventional singing teacher, which were classical teachers. But um, he, got, he taught me about breathing and gave me some exercises, and every week we would choose a song, new song to work on. He played the piano. He, I, don't, I don't think I ever heard him sing. I don't think he was a singer. But, but anyway, it seemed to work for me, uh, what he told me to practice. And he knew people who had bands and he eventually managed to get me one or two gigs with bands you know, led by people he knew. And is it extra special performing in London? Yes, yes, it always is. The opportunities aren't there so much, really, in, in London. I mean, they have... Perhaps the London Jazz Festival, if you might be lucky enough to be involved in that. But there aren't that many venues, really. So it was wonderful, actually, that uh, King's Place became, uh, you know, open to, to everything, really. And, uh, and, and uh, wonderful sound. So, and and it, yes, it is a bit special to be performing in London. 
And uh, how, how important to you is the Distances, the ECM album you'll be performing songs from at this concert? Very important, because I, I hadn't been doing anything with ECM for a number of years. So, but to be back working with, uh, with that label again is great, because it's quite prestigious. They, they believe in the music that they produce. And it was actually, well, it got such good response in the press and uh, won the a jazz vocal prize in um, for the Academy du Jazz in Paris, and and then was nominated for a Grammy. That was quite a special album, really. Turning in heights of invisible air in the distance, the birds fly. album distances you recorded music from Cole Porter and Peter Gabriel um, quite a diverse sort of selection um, well the, Gabriel was probably almost more of a natural choice than the Cole Porter really because um, the, you know the other guys are quite a bit younger than me but I, w- I was looking through some of his songs when I heard it you know um, here comes a flood and I played it to the other two and they loved it immediately and uh, every time we say goodbye of course I've known it it seems forever and um, I probably wouldn't have thought of doing it, but Klaus Gasing, the saxophone player, you know, with, um, with the trio, he had done a John Coltrane project in which he also played songs associated with Coltrane, you know, songs that Coltrane had played. And uh, this was one of them, Every Time We Say Goodbye, and just suggested that, um, that I sing it as a duo. Every time we say Goodbye I wonder why A little I've always really liked this sort of element of danger, you know, of being on the edge. Of course, that's not always comfortable. And sometimes you, you know, you like to have periods in the evening when you feel comfortable. But I actually enjoy trying to make something happen or reacting to a a situation which it may be unexpected. Um, yeah, that still still uh, does it for me, really. Every time we say This is the King's Place Podcast. 
From Wednesday the 2nd of June, Martino Tiramo returns for his third week of Chopin Unwrapped concerts. So on the podcast now, the world-famous pianist tells us more about the end of this ambitious project and why we should immerse ourselves in the piano music of this Polish composer. As far as I'm aware, this is the first time that all Chopin's works are presented in one major series. Chopin's music has so many qualities. It is brilliant, it is sensitive, it is elegant, charming. It is always very polished, very refined. Above all, though, I think it is full of poetry. For me, he's one of the greatest musical poets. He influenced probably more composers than, than any other, uh, and composers that don't normally come to mind. For instance, Bruckner, Debussy, Ravel, Skriabin, Prokofiev, Rachmaninov. In fact, I consider that without Chopin, a music would probably have taken a different course. Of course, his melodic invention is second to none. Uh, there is such a naturalness of expression. Uh, and uh, when you hear something, you cannot imagine that it could proceed in any different way. Uh, and of course, it's his melodies that people love. But this series is uh, a big marathon for me. Each week I would have to do three concerts, totally different programs. Uh, in the final week there will be four concerts in four days. Uh, perhaps the biggest challenge of my life, but I look forward to it. Martino Tiramo talking about the last week of his Chopin Unwrapped season. You can hear him play some stunning music by the composer this week, such as the Piano Concerto No. 2 and all 24 of his much-loved preludes, alongside many other works. Please check the website for full details. Greta Garbo, Mary Pickford and Gloria Swanson are some of the stars of Silver Screen who get their films rescored in the Bird's Eye View Sounds and Silence series which runs from the 27th to the 29th of May at King's Place. A fantastic series of programmes with world-class musicians such as cellist Natalie Klein, the Elysian String Quartet, the vocal ensemble Juice and jazz pianist Zoe Rahman, all performing new and original scores live to these iconic films. We caught up with Amy Mole, the woman behind this season, to learn more about this celebration of women in film and music. Well, Birds Eye View is an organisation that chiefly celebrates and supports women filmmakers. So it was set up um, in response to this crazy gender imbalance that exists in the film industry. Uh, over the last few years, it's only been about 6% of directors in the UK are women and 12% of screenwriters are women in the UK. So this is a huge gender imbalance that we're responding to directly by celebrating as many film 
filmmakers that are women from across the world. Other than making people aware, what, what else are you trying to achieve with these concerts? For the Bird's Eye View, it's all about celebrating these fantastic films which are made by women. So then by celebrating these women who are making it in the industry and hope that in turn you start to inspire others to do the same and see that role as something that is tangible and isn't so far away from reality for them. And what should we expect from this week of, of music and films? Well, the, these have been performed before. Um, we run this strand called Sound and Silence, which we run at the festival every year. Um, and it, the strand is basically classic silent films, either featuring or made by pioneering women from early cinema, um, with original scores by cutting-edge female musicians. So that's the concept of the strand. We run that every year at the festival. So we research kind of retrospective films from the silent era match up really exciting female artists um, who create a new composition for that film. So these have been shown before as part of our 2008-2009 festival um, within different strands. So one was within Clowning Glories, which was a kind of looking at the clown in, in cinema in early silent film. And the other one was part of our Femme Fatale season. So we're um, pulling together the best from that strand for this season at King's Place. And how do you come across the films that you're going to use? Well, we have an exciting, uh, fabulous researcher called Kelly Robinson, who um, is actually a doctor within the, f the field of retrospective films. Uh, and she goes on quite a laborious research process to find what she thinks are really exciting films, really putting female sort of vision and creativity at the heart of the film. We have all different kinds of musicians that work on these different films and the ones that we have at King's Place, we've got Natalie Klein, this incredible classic cellist, really, really beautiful score. Um, we have the Elysian Quartet. We also have Zoe Rahman, who's this awesome jazz pianist, uh, and Juice, which is a vocal ensemble. So they're all very, very different, all very fresh and new and actually feel vastly different from the original scores that I've heard. Um, so it does have this sense of newness about it and it works very very well with the film all of the scores are very responsive to what's happening in the content of the film and this idea of uh, rescoring uh, with live musicians silent classics um, it, it's something a bit unique isn't it? Oh, it's completely unique my favorite moments of these these work these different performances um, are when you're watching the film and you suddenly actually forget the musicians there and then you have these little moments where you suddenly remember that there's this incredible live performance happening right in front of you as well as seeing this total stunning film that you don't you'd never see anywhere else so I think they're completely unique experiences and quite all-consuming as well when you're actually as an audience member sharing that experience with other with other people and is there anything else on this week that we should make note of? Um, there's another piece of work that we're doing at the King's Place, which is the a panel discussion. Um, now, Bird's Eye View is kind of leading in the field of looking at this gender imbalance within the film industry. Um, and we work with so many female musicians that we're now looking also at the imbalance that exists within the music industry. So we're running a panel discussion chaired by Miranda Sawyer looking at what that gender imbalance is and what it means to be a female music creator um, with some very exciting panellists which we'll be confirming soon as well. So it's a celebration but it's also kind of, we do want to examine that issue as well and we do want to look at it and kind of ask the questions and make people aware that that does exist. 
Amy Mole talking about the Bird's Eye View Sound and Silence series, which runs from the 27th to the 29th of May. So you've been listening over the last 30 minutes to the King's Place podcast. Please visit our website, kingsplace.co.uk, for more information about any of the events you've heard about and to book tickets. Tickets for all events are available from as little as £9.50 online. Thanks for listening. You're listening to the King's Place podcast. Presenting music, comedy, spoken word, poetry and art from around the world. kingsplace.co.uk